1: When we thank the Lord, it's something that becomes an action. If I go back to those two verses here, if you will, verses 15 and 16, there's five things that happen that are actions. It says here, when he saw that he had been healed, um, he did something about that. He turned back, so that's number one. He glorified God, that's number two. He did it with a loud voice, so something caused him to have an outward expression, so he did something with his voice. Number uh, four, he fell on his face. So he bowed down. There was a, a physical showing of what he did in humility. And then it says, and he gave thanks to God. Five things he did in just two verses to show that thanksgiving is not something merely that we feel or we think, but there's some demonstration of it. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that happens, that we've got to fall down before the Lord. But I think that if we had an attitude of that, I think there'll be more of it. Um, I remember reading a a book by A.W. Tozier years ago, and in that book, Tozier said this, the missing link in church today is worship. Then, as I thought about that, I thought, what's the missing link in worship? If missing link in the church today is a church that worships, what's the missing link in worship? And I got to thinking, I really believe it's a grateful heart, that we really don't really show our gratefulness to the Lord unless we want to glorify the Lord and so if we want to glorify the Lord thankfulness is at the root of that and the more I thought about that I thought okay if there's a chain going on here what's missing in the church is worship what's missing in worship is thankfulness what's missing in thankfulness? I think it's a humble heart I sometimes think that we don't express our thankfulness is because sometimes we are not humble which means this why would I ever thank anyone else for doing something to me because they should do it I'm entitled to what they're doing. And if they did it, they did it for their own reasons, not really for me. It's for what they get out of this thing. All of a sudden, what's happening to me now is because I earned it or I deserve it or they are doing it for other reasons, but it's not about anything that I need to be grateful for because it's all about them, not about me. Instead of for that moment right then to say, you know what, I don't deserve anything. Watch this. Have mercy on me. I am a nothing And when I see that something is done that I don't deserve, that then brings thankfulness. And when I'm really thankful, thanking the Lord who did this for me in that process of doing that, I'm bringing glory to him. So maybe if you want to analyze your own worship, see where it is in the area of gratefulness. And when you see gratefulness, see if humility is in there somewhere or where it might be missing. Just as something for you to self-analyze. All right, number four, thankfulness is one of the most quick and simple ways to get an audience with the Lord. Thanksgiving is one of the most quick and simple ways to get an audience with the Lord. Now remember these other nine guys talked to the Lord once, they walked away being healed and as they walked away healed and going over here, watch, this is so cool. They went to a place where there was a human in a facility that was built for humans, All right, which was that Temple, we might say. Over here, this man went to God, and he worshipped the Lord in him alone. And so his relationship was with the Lord, not with a priest, not with a minister, not with a location out here, but was purely and only with the Lord in the very spot where he was helped. And so then he went into a discussion. If you look here in the passage, here's what he said, here's what he did, here's what Jesus did, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm wondering sometimes when we have a thankful heart, That it's our time that we say, man, I'm such a sinner. I don't deserve anything in my life. We confess that sin and right then we're just talking to the Lord and talking to the Lord. Stay with me. If we live a whole day and so many nice things happen to us and we don't for that moment thank the Lord for that, all of a sudden, every time we're not thanking the Lord, then what are we doing? We're ignoring the Lord generally at that very moment. And so the more we see happening that this happened by a permissive or prescriptive God to have this happen in our life, the more we're seeing God at the center of all of this, the more we would be saying, I see God, I'm talking to God, I'm communing with the Lord. I'm cleaning my life to see if I'm even worthy of this here so as we come to the Lord in a special way. So, again, Thanksgiving is a way to continue our audience with the Lord in a very special and intimate way. Number five, Thanksgiving results in a purpose. Thanksgiving results in a purpose. And notice what happens here. Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, um, what you might do, uh, this gets a little heavy here, so lean into this for just a moment, with your children. You might ask your children when they recognize that God has given them something or provided, prevented something bad from coming into their life did something in a very unique way why don't you ask your children why do you think the Lord did that why do you think the Lord did that in your life and then let the kids come back with a lot of different responses and as they do begin to probe them with a little bit more but guide them in the conversation so that they would also have an intimate relationship with the Lord watch this now so that everything that happens, that has happened to them, they can give thanks because it is the will of God concerning them or give thanks in the very thing because what it's doing is it's helping them have a more intimate relationship with the Lord so everything has a benefit, everything has purpose. So when we have a thankful heart, we now recognize the purposes now that God has given this to us so we could really get to know him even more and more. I have to tell you that it can be really hard. You know, as a pastor, Carol and I... Um, seems like wherever we go, we go to an area that's away from our family. We have rarely lived in the same community with our family. One time, my mom and dad even moved from the Florida Keys all the way to San Antonio because they wanted to be near us. My sister then moved, wanted to be near us. Three years later, the Lord moved us to another place and left them in San Antonio. So our family is there. Now, while we were living in San Antonio, Carol's mom and dad and her family never visited us. They're mountain people. You you heard of Walton's Mountain. This is Ward's Mountain kind of a thing. I mean, they were not hillbillies, but back-in-the-mountain people. All right. They never came to see us. Now, those of you that um, know Carol, you know that she likes to decorate. If you've been on the third floor, that is her decoration. I don't know that she would pick that gaudy green some volunteers came and painted, didn't check with us with a color code, and they painted some stuff that's gaudy green. And, but the rest of that is absolutely beautiful. When you come to our home, it's a very modest home here on the island, but it's, very, it's decorated very, very nicely. All right. Now picture us in San Antonio, Texas. There it had to be all Western stuff because you're in Texas, you know. So it's all really nice. Since Carol's family never visited us anywhere up into that ministry time, she then got the call saying that her mom and different family members were now coming to visit us. You can imagine how... Carol, like a schoolgirl, was so excited about being able to show her family the home that God has provided for us. And she was excited to kind of show the the, the, um, the gifting or the talent of, of decorating. And we were so happy to have her mom and dad get on a plane, some flying for the first time ever, to come see us in San Antonio from the mountains of North Carolina. And so while we were so excited, we're cleaning the house, mowing the yard, doing everything to make it look like a model home, so to speak. Just... You just honor people. You know your family, you love them, you miss them, you want everything the best for them, all that. The day before they came, I was in my study and I was counseling a couple and my phone rang. And my policy has always been that whether I have a secretary or not, if my wife calls, if it's with a secretary, the secretary has the, the uh, freedom to ask Carol, do you want to speak to Stan now? He's counseling someone or would you like him to call you back? And so that Carol is always in the driver's seat of whether or not she can get a hold of me. And Carol is so gracious, she would say, just have him call me back. This was before cell phones. This time, she said, no, I need to talk to Stan right now. And so I got on the phone and she said, you won't believe what happened. Our washing machine pipe broke. The hose broke. And it's in the house. Our entire house is flooded. Can you come home right now and fix this before my mom gets here tomorrow? And I don't know how to fix nothing, you know. I, my toolboxes back in those days was the Yellow Pages, if you know what I mean. So I come home. I or excuse myself from this couple, and, and they're very gracious. And I just I came, and when I did, I'm driving down this long street off Evers Road. And I'm looking at our house. And as I pull up into our driveway, I'm noticing water that's now coming down the driveway into the street. I come around the back where the washing machine was. And Carol is literally laying on the floor. And she's shoving the water out as fast as she can. And the water is now just shooting from the back of the, of the washing machine. And I'm looking at the carpets and the just saturated with water everywhere. And, of course, thank God. I knew all you had to do was just shut the valve off, and that's the end of the problem, at least from the continuum of water coming in. Well, I have to tell you, we're ripping out the most saturated carpets. The woodwork was gone. The uh, kitchen was all... The, all the presswood cabinets were saturated and swollen. Within just a few hours, it was all gone, and her family came in. And I have to tell you, it's really hard to say, glory to God, amen, praise the Lord. It was really hard to do that, you know, knowing that her mom was going to come in with seeing nothing but bare naked cement floors with little wood strips with spikes sticking up and doors that won't close, the place now beginning to smell musty and all of this. It was really hard to do that. So in that moment, when we all go through things similar to that, you have to center down on God for just a moment maybe and say, Lord, I've got to collect my thoughts. I know you're large and in charge, and I know that you permit or prescribe, and somehow you knew what we were trying to do. So we had to work with a little bit of pride. Maybe we we're trying to show off a little too much. I don't know that that was Carol's issue, but it might have been mine because as a da- as a husband, you know, you want to show your father-in-law. Hey, you know, Christians don't have to be poor and live in huts and all this stuff. And God did provide. And maybe there's too much pride in it. I-, I don't know. But I can tell you that her, her mom and her family were so gracious that while they came in and we sat in old chairs on concrete floors and all of that, they never once did anything but to honor us to. Say nice things, and we laughed a lot. But to know also that the insurance paid for it all. And by the time her family left and all the people came in, they gutted our entire house. And we got new carpeting, new cabinets, new countertops, new refrigerator. The place was like a showroom. And by then I wanted to say, hey, mom, dad, come on back now. Now look at it. You know, couldn't do all of that. So whatever we go through, you go through. Whatever you go through, we go through. But remember, we all go through it together with the Lord. And that's my my point. There's a purpose in that. Well, here are just quick, don't have to preach on these. Five observations of grateful people. Here they are. Number one, grateful people linger over life's blessings. They linger over life's blessings. Remember, the other guys may have already made it to the priest. This guy hadn't even gone to the priest yet. And he lingered right there where he was healed. And maybe for you and me, we need to linger by those things that happen for that moment, by those blessings. So if you feel like you're blessed, linger. Now when you say, what do, I mean, what do you mean by linger by it? When you're thanking, and with, embedded in the English word, uh, the etymology of the English word for thank is the word think. That when you're thanking, while it might be a spontaneous eruption of thankfulness, the depth of an attitude of gratitude takes time and where you're really thinking. So as you go through your life... Maybe between now and and Thanksgiving Day when you might have to share a testimony of what you're thankful for and people have such a hard time doing that and they always give the same. Well, there's so much I can't think. Well, I know there's a lot, but pick something. And when you do, think about it. Center down on it. Slow your life down on it for just a little bit so that the Lord will reveal to you all that he's done for you because it's not just one thing. It's a lot of things that all had to come together by a sovereign God so he gets all the glory. Number two, grateful people live in a moment. They live in a moment. And here's what I mean by living in that moment. Have you ever heard people say, I'll be so thankful when my kids grow up. Or I'll be so thankful when I can finally retire. Or I'm so thankful when... And you can fill in the blank. You've heard people say that. Well, there's nothing wrong with being so thankful when the kids grow up or so thankful when you can retire or so thankful when the mortgage is paid off or whatever. There's nothing wrong with being thankful then. What is wrong is when we're not going to be thankful now until then. That's my point, okay? So maybe until then we can thank God. Thank God for what? The grace to be able to go through what we're going through right now. To be thankful in the circumstance, not when we get out of the circumstance. And so we think about that. We stay in the moment of that. That's my point. Number three, grateful people leave fear far behind. Leave fear far behind. When we're very fearful, it's really hard to um, bubble up the emotion of thankfulness because we're so fearful. And so if we could just take for a moment and we're thankful for what? Whatever we're going through, God will take care of us. Now, I can go back and I can tell you now that when certain things happen, God will take care of you. We are here on the island I do not have to fear if I go home now and our house is burned down or if something happens with a storm or something like that. It'll be kind of challenging, but one thing I know is that God never slept. He's not sleeping now, and he very much cares for me. Someone was so gracious to give Carol and me one night in Waikiki at one of those um, simple hotels It's not on the beach. It was really lovely and clean. And while we were there, we had a house sitter staying at our house. Blessed gal, this gal just stays and loves our pets and takes care of our house and she called and she says you know the little guest room that I'm sleeping in I have water splashing on my face and it's coming from your upstairs bathroom and we're gone my one day only, only day and it's got a her in the head that one day little did I know one phone call and by the time I got home not only was the bathroom repaired the ceiling was taken out repaired, repainted the place was spotless and we came back again what does that tell you? I don't have to fear. You do not have to fear. God will be with you no matter what you go through so that we can be thankful. So that is where we're thankful, that will also cast out fear because thankfulness is often connected to faith. Next, grateful people live on purpose. They live on purpose. What do I mean by that? They live on purpose. No matter what you go through, no matter how difficult that might be, I want you to know that being thankful, when you are properly thankful, means that no matter what your difficult days are, it's not going to shift you from your purpose. Did you hear what I'm saying? When you're thankful and you know you're on purpose, that that thankfulness is going to keep you on purpose, that you're going to do what God wants you to do. God called Carolyn and me to this island to be your pastor for X however long he wants. When we came, we came... Sure, it was to Hawaii and a place we've always wanted to serve, not just visit, but to actually serve. We fell in in love with the people here during our candidating time in April of 05. We arrived in July. You've already heard about the flood that hit uh, in that October. And our belongings were in the back of the fellowship hall and they were saturated with dirty, grungy water that soaked up into our stuff that very day that we could clean it out, there was a number of you ladies that were here that pulled us stuff out on these huge tables and tried to wash and dry and save everything that we had. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. We could still be thankful because we never question that this is where God called us to be. So come hell or high water, whatever God would have done, we're not going to let the events of life deter us from being here. Now watch this. If we have some great things that are happening, that doesn't mean that we're going to move away from here unless God leads us. So the point of the matter is events don't do this. Is what God wants us to do, and we stay on purpose. That's what thankful hearts are. And lastly, grateful people love those beside them. They love those beside them. Now what do I mean by that? Sometimes when uh, we... Um, um, we set goals and we try to reach those goals and we're thankful as we're climbing up this ladder as we're cl- climbing up our goals and reaching to that top goal that we really want and when we finally get up there we find out that we're kind of all alone up here. You know, you always hear it's lonely at the top. You hear leaders say it's lonely at the top. My response to that is if it's lonely at the top then there's something wrong because when you get to the top you never got to the top unless other people got you to the top. And so when you do, that means you're always grateful for the people God gave you in your life that helped you to get to where you are and where you're going. Did you get that? And so when that happens then, be a Teflon Christian. What's a Teflon Christian? When you are praised and given these things, you then take that praise, you let it hit you for a moment and enjoy it, smell a little bit, smell sweet, but don't just stay there, it'll be like fish, it'll rot. So you let it hit you like a Teflon piece of Teflon and you let it ricochet up to the Lord and you recognize whatever you got actually came from a God who permitted it and then you spill it back out to the very people that added value to your life to help you get to where you are. So again, that's why grateful people are never alone, they always are grateful, even of the people that are next to them that got them where they are so if you were ever given a certificate ever given something and you stand before other people make sure that while you're thankful for the nice things that they might have said you give it back to the people who did whatever they did to add value to your life that's gratefulness in your life and so I'm going to leave you with one verse now and this is it thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift Jesus Christ let's pray shall we with every head bowed and every eye closed. Take a moment right now and just kind of do a personal reflection. The common grace that God has given to you is going to be such things as air and food and clothes and liquid to drink, proper liquid, that kind of thing. The common grace is that God has given you a job or the ability to get a job. He's given you a wonderful family. He certainly has given you a great church of people who love you. Not a perfect group, but a group that's growing with you, growing together. But that's common grace He's given to you. He's given you a place to live here on the island, perhaps a home or apartment or a condo, something simple. He's given you some modes of transportation, he's given you enough health to get you back and forth to church at least and maybe move about to some degree, can't do as much as you did in the past, but you're doing more now than you might do in the future. That's common grace. But now the most important grace is the salvation grace where Jesus then said, we're all sinners and because we've sinned we're separated from God and that no good deed we do ourselves will ever get us into heaven and our separation When we die, we'll spend eternity separated from God in a horrible place of condemnation and damnation. And yet God says, My son went to the cross for you. I loved you and I gave my son and that is my grace gift to you. And eternal life is my free grace gift to you. That you don't do anything but receive that gift. And so when you're really trusting Christ, it's not so much a prayer. It's certainly not pleading that God would save you from hell. It's merely saying, thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross and rising again. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by my good deeds. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to be going to heaven with my sins forgiven and forever with you. And that real thank you to the Lord is like an act of faith. That's exactly what this leper did. As he was healed he came back and he said thank you Lord. And that thank you was his act of faith not because he said thank you it's because he was trusting in him that he was healed. He was thanking God for who he was who healed him. He recognized not the work merely but the person of the work Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said your faith has saved you. And so while you look at all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for you, I want you to thank Him for what He's done for you on the cross, but it's your faith in Jesus Christ that gives to you eternal life. You're believing Him. And so I pray today, my dear friends, that your first and greatest source and object of your gratefulness will be the Lord. And your greatest gift is going to be Jesus Christ in eternal life. Would there be anyone in here today that is thanking God for their salvation because they're trusting in Christ alone for their salvation and never put their faith alone in you? Today was the day that you met Christ just like these ten guys did. But it's you who came to the Lord today to say thank you for what you've done, for what you, the Lord, have done for me. And I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now raising your hand won't save you. Walking an eye, I won't save you, but it kind of indicates to me that today was the day you're trusting Christ. Would you do that? So is there anyone in here today that's ready to indicate by an uplifted hand that today's the day you're trusting Christ as your Savior? And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all today? Let me know. All right, for you dear Christians, for just a moment, let me offer you a very practical suggestion, something that'll take you a year to do. But it will absolutely change your life on your attitude of gratitude. Here it is. Get out a simple little journal. Whether you use a little journal you've got on your software, and your computer, and your phone, your iPad, whatever tablet you might have, or a written little notebook. And I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to write down three things every day for which you're thankful. Just three things. You don't have to be the biggest things. It's whatever three comes to your mind that you can genuinely have that attitude of gratitude knowing that God did this gave this, prevented you from this, or whatever it was that was so good that you could say thank you, whatever it might be, write down three. Now, why am I telling you this that it'll change you in a year? If you did this, you would have over 1,000 recordings of God working in your life that you have focused on, you have stopped for that moment and recognized Him and thanked Him for that. And don't you know that that change of attitude as a Christian can change you from the inside out? I know that's something that I want to do. And so if you want to go on that journey with me of writing three down for a year, and you might miss a day. That'll happen to all of us. So pick it up the next day and add the three you missed from the day before. It's not going to be hard because he's doing stuff for us all the time, isn't he? Whether you do three a day or one a day or one a week, I encourage you to do that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Because it's who you are that's done what you've done for us. And Father, when we look at who you are and how unworthy we are, it's easy for us to then cry out, have mercy on us. And yet, Lord, you have demonstrated your mercy and grace at Calvary for us when you died and rose again. And so, Lord, we pray that we'll allow that to be the very center and the greatest reason for us to say thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that we can bring this message of gratefulness and how it can enrich our lives to other people as we mentor and disciple them so they can focus on you. In your precious name we
0: pray. Amen.